Welcome to Ben's Bible Podcast. I'm Ben Burkhart, your host, and on this podcast, we share refreshing and faith-building biblical truths. I hope you'll plan to join us on a regular basis. God bless you, and let's jump in to this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast. This is Ben Burkhardt. I'm glad you're here today. This week, I'm going to share with you a sermon that I recorded recently at one of my churches, and this message has to do with the conflict in Ukraine. Does God care? Is God helping Ukraine? Is God helping people on both sides? Let's find out what the Bible has to say. And we're going to be talking about some of those things going on in the world right now and what the Bible has to say about world events in the last days. So we'll look at the specifics of that here in just a minute. But before we get into the Word of God, let's have a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time that we can share together to study your Word. We pray that you will guide us by your Spirit and give us a clear understanding of your incredible message of hope in the Scriptures. And please help us and guide us in your love. For we ask in Jesus' name, Amen. One of the biggest things on a lot of our minds right now is the conflict in Ukraine, the war that's going on in Ukraine. And certainly there have been a number of wars going on around the world. There are other conflicts taking place in different spots of the world. But there is a big focus on Ukraine right now. This is a huge conflict. And it's a conflict that involves the interests of the entire world. People wonder what kinds of weapons will be used and how will it affect the whole community of the world. Uh, There are definite concerns about that, nuclear concerns and other sorts of concerns in a conflict like this. And we see that all of the world, all the nations of the world are taking a great interest in this event that is happening. And so I want to look at this, this question of how does God interact with us when it comes to wars? And does God fight for nations? Is God fighting for Ukraine? Is God driving back the Russians? How is God helping people even on both sides of the conflict? Because God cares about people in every nation, doesn't He? He cares about people in every place. So we're going to be looking at some of the biblical principles surrounding this question. And I want to begin this morning by sharing with you a thought from Matthew chapter 24. So if you have your Bibles there handy, please open them up to Matthew chapter 24 the prophetic passage where Jesus speaks about last day events. In Matthew 24 and verse 6, Jesus says these words, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And now we'll skip down to verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. As Jesus was speaking about last day events, he pointed out a number of things that we would see in our world in the last days. Conflicts. And it wouldn't be the very end, still a few more things would happen, but it should alert us to the fact that we're living in the last days, that these are the beginning of sorrows, that we see a lot 
of evil, and it should alert us to the fact that Jesus will come, ultimately, to put an end to all the sorrow and the heartache that we see in this world today. He points out some very important things that go together, a group of things in this passage. And he mentions nation rising against nation, kingdom against kingdom, the wars, and also rumors of possible wars. But he also combines with those things that there will be famines and pestilence. And we are familiar with pestilence sweeping the world here in these days. Diseases that sweep the world and cause a lot of trouble for us. The idea of famines. You think in famine there's, there's a great need. There's a lack. There's a lack of, of supply. There's a lack of food, of course, in a famine. And I would even think the ability to get a hold of food. The prices would go up. That's what usually happens in a famine because there's scarcity. And so Jesus points out that we would see all of these things combined in the last days. And as we look at the world around us, we see all of them. We see all of them taking place. And not to mention the natural disasters such as earthquakes in diverse places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. But one more important sign is that the gospel of Jesus Christ will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. As the nations of the world are concerned about these various conflicts that we are drawn into, Jesus reminds us that the good news of heaven, the good news of Christ, has to be preached in all the world. And it will go to all the world as a witness to all the nations that people can be able to make their decision about Jesus before He finally comes. And I think that's a powerful reminder that God has a message of hope for this world in spite of all the, the heartache and the conflict and the things that we see arising. God has a message of hope and He wants us to be a part of sharing that message of hope, that good news. And I'm thankful that people are taking the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. People are taking the good news to the conflict over there in Ukraine and many other places around the world right now. So I'm very thankful for that. And we need to pray for the good news to go to these places, don't we? To pray and do what we can do to share the gospel with the world. So now to the question, how does God get involved with the wars of men? What does God do? Does He sit back idly and do nothing while all the world pulls themselves towards a great conflict? Or does God get involved somehow? Does God have an interest in what is taking place here? All of us certainly got interested about what's going on in the world. Does God take an interest in what is happening in the world right now? as human beings are pulling themselves into a major conflict in the world. Well, as we look through biblical history and prophecy, we can see that God definitely takes a great interest in these conflicts. And in fact, we see that God fights for the well-being of, of humanity during conflicts like this. God fights for us and God fights for justice. God takes down evil and he fights for justice during situations like the current conflict that we see in the world right now. We're going to be looking at some of the biblical evidence behind all of this and what the Bible uh, tells us so we can know how God is working for us and how we can work together with God. So a, a verse that we would want to look at here is in Ephesians 6 and verse 12. In Ephesians 6 and verse 12, we find the principles of spiritual warfare. And we often think about it in that context. 
but we have to realize that these spiritual forces are also at work behind every physical conflict that we see in the world. So Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So behind these conflicts that we see with human beings, there are spiritual forces at work. There are forces of evil at work, inspiring men to bloodshed, and there are godly forces, the holy angels, who are at work to reach people in a good way. So we find that those are the powers behind the battlefield that we often don't think about. We often think of the physical side of war, but recognize that there is a great conflict, a controversy going on, a spiritual battle that is taking place behind the scenes of these wars that we face in the world today and throughout history. So this conflict, when we look at it and we kind of evaluate what's going on, the whole world sort of says, this is not really just. There's something that is just not right about a conflict where a neighbor rises up and decides they're going to blow up your homeland. They're going to blow up your hospitals. They're going to blow up your your houses and your schools. And they're going to just ruin your life and slaughter your people. There's something about that that just doesn't sit well with, I think, most of the world as we look at the situation. Uh, If somebody comes across the line with all of their weapons blazing, and starts killing others, that, that doesn't seem very good. And especially when you can't see any kind of reason why such a thing should really take place. So it is concerning for a lot of us. And this has inspired a lot of Christians to pray, a lot of people to pray. Maybe even some who are not regular churchgoers, but who believe in God, have begun praying for this situation, for this great conflict that is happening. And what are some of the things that we have seen in this conflict? A few interesting points that we have seen in this conflict. As I've watched a lot of the footage of what is going on right now in our world, I've seen footage of confusion among the Russians, among their military. Have you noticed that? That there's been some confusion, uncoordinated attacks, and you would think these guys are a very skilled army. They're very well equipped. They're very well trained. And yet we have seen confusion in the ranks over there. We've seen these uncoordinated attacks. We have seen moves that commentators will say, that was not a smart military move. That was very foolish. Why are they doing that and opening themselves up to these attacks? And I think that's interesting. It makes me wonder, is there something else going on behind the scenes as we see this failure on the part of what is known as a very successful military? We have seen lines of military vehicles and tanks stopped across the border, unable to get to the front lines, just run out of gas and other things. And you kind of wonder, what's going on? Wouldn't they plan for all the gas they need? What's going on? There's something holding back these forces from reaching that battlefield. So as I look at that, I wonder about how is God's providence working behind the scenes in this conflict? How is God working in this situation? We have seen Ukraine gain a lot of victories that the world, frankly, did not expect they would be gaining. And so it seems like, wow, there's some hope for the people there in this country who are going through this. And it is also interesting that we have seen Russian soldiers 
who were captured make comments on how they feel this is something is wrong and some of them were even apologizing like we're sorry that we came and bombed your cities and we've been doing this uh, they have footage online of, of Russian soldiers who were captured being interviewed as a whole group as a whole panel and so you wonder what are some of them going through because they have relatives even in Ukraine and maybe they're even questioning should we be here and yet they were told you have to show up and fight because you represent this country you represent Russia so there's a lot going on and we as believers want to keep praying we want to keep praying for the people in Ukraine we want to keep praying for the people in Russia who are involved in this conflict although they may not have wanted to be involved in this conflict we need to be praying for people because God ultimately loves people on all sides of conflict in all these nations that go to war in the last days and I think these are God's main priorities he wants to first of all save lives God wants to save people. He wants to save them here, but especially He wants to save them for eternity. God wants lives to be saved. God is in the business of saving lives. Amen? That's why we're here today, because God is in the business of saving lives. And secondly, God will always fight for justice, and He will help us in the midst of our conflicts that we have in this life. God will always fight for the right. God always stands up for righteous principles because that's who He is. He is a righteous God. So He stands up for those things in every conflict that we may encounter. And finally, although we will suffer many wars in this world and we have throughout history, we have to recognize that God will put an end to all wars. He is going to bring an end to all these things and it's not going to be happening forever. God has an eternity planned out for us in which there will be no more wars, no more fighting. And I praise God for that, that God is doing something grand in the midst of all this suffering. God is moving us towards a world without suffering, a world without death, a world without war. And I'm looking forward to that great promise that the Lord has made for us. We find this in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4, if you have your Bible handy. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4. And the Bible reads this way. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Isn't that a powerful scripture? I love that scripture that God will judge among the nations. God is ultimately the judge in all of these conflicts. God will judge and he will rebuke many people. He will say, this was wrong. This should not have happened. And he will lead us to throw away our weapons and to take up peaceful employment instead of fighting. That's a powerful promise that we find in the Bible. So I'm looking forward to the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ultimate fulfillment of that promise. Have you ever wondered about the Bible? What does it really mean? While some things are simple to understand, other things are not as easy. Questions like, how will Jesus come? What will the end of the world really be like? What happens when we die? And is there really a hellfire where the devil roasts people for endless ages? 
How can I find personal peace in my life? And if God is love, why is the world so evil? These are very important questions, and the Bible has clear answers to all of those questions. To begin your Bible study journey, please visit woosda.com. That's W-O-O-S-D-A.com. All right, so God has great things in store for us, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. Now, with those points in mind, thank you. With those points in mind, I want to look at some of the biblical points about how God intervenes in the conflicts of men. How do we see God working throughout history when various conflicts have arisen? What does God do during conflicts? Well, here is one point that we can consider. Point number one, God raises up and he takes down kings or rulers. Have we seen that happen throughout history? That God says there's a time when this kingdom comes down. There's a time when this leader comes down. That he is not going to be allowed to lead anymore. God does those kinds of things because he looks at the needs in the world. He looks at where, uh, what will best serve justice. And he brings people down. He raises them up, but he brings them down. And a couple of verses on that, we have Psalm 75 verse 7. It says, God is the judge. He puts down one and sets up another. Another famous scripture on this is Daniel 2, verses 20 through 21. And it reads, He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Another scripture along these lines is Daniel 4, 17, where it says, that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomsoever he will and sets up over it the basest of men, meaning the humblest of men. So, God takes down the proud and God raises up the humble. This is a principle of how God works and we see it happening throughout history. And yes, God permits people, evil leaders, to go to a certain extent but only so far. And then he says, enough is enough. Why does God permit these evil leaders to go even to a certain extent? Well, if he didn't do that, we would never know what evil really is. Is that true? If we never saw what evil was, we might underestimate evil. We might think, oh, evil's not that bad. But when we start to see evil taking place, we realize how painful it is. We realize the sinfulness of sin. And then God says, finally, enough is enough. You've reached the point. And God takes people down. And I'm thankful that God does that. I'm thankful that He is working to deliver us from evil. And He takes down evil persons and proud men. When the time comes, God says, enough is enough. Now, the second point about how God works with us during these conflicts is that God breaks the bows and the weapons of proud evil persons. That's wonderful. There are biblical promises on how God breaks the weapons of people who come in pride, who come for self-glory, and who come to do evil to others. God is in the business of breaking weapons. Notice 1 Samuel 2 and verse 4. It says, "...the bows of the mighty men are broken." and they that stumbled are girded with strength. Isn't that an incredible thought? 
that the mighty and the proud, they come with their weapons of war to attack and to kill and destroy, to overtake. And God says, you know what? I'm going to break your bow. I'm going to break your weapon. I'm going to break your tanks and you're going down. God takes people down and the Bible says that those who are stumbling, those who are weak, who seem to have nothing, He gives them strength. He blesses them. He helps them in the conflict. So God is working behind the scenes in many conflicts to help people who are suffering, people who are disadvantaged, people who are weak and who are, who are being abused by others who come with a lot of power and great might and weapons. And I'm thankful that God does things of this nature. It's very powerful and it shows His love and His mercy in the midst of all of this conflict that we face as humankind. Another verse along these lines is James 4 and verse 6 where it says, God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. I'm glad that God gives grace to those who are humble. Proverbs 16 verse 18 says, Pride goes before destruction and in haughty spirit before a fall. If someone comes with a lot of pride and maybe a lot of power behind that pride, God knows how to burst their bubble. God knows how to say, you know what? It's not going to work. You think you can just do whatever you want, but you can't. There's a limit. God sets limits. And I am so thankful for those limits that God sets. And if we come with pride, God is going to take us down. God is against pride, which is right at the heart of self-worship, right at the heart of what made Lucifer fall from heaven. It's pride and self-glory. And so, God takes people down. And it's interesting that we see the Egyptians, the Egyptian armies, when they chased Israel, when they were escaping from Egypt, they came after them. And the Egyptians had all the might, all the power, all the glory of their day. They had the best military technology, the best horses, the best chariots, all of those things. And yet, they could not take down God's people because God said, I am protecting these people and you're not going to take them down. And God led His people through the Red Sea, and the Bible tells us that the Lord looked at the host of the Egyptians and He troubled them. He troubled these military leaders and soldiers. He troubled them. And I would not want to be on the other side of God's glance when He troubles people. You would not want to be on the receiving end of that glance from God. And the Bible tells us that their chariot wheels were taken off and they drove them heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Does God get involved in our conflicts? He does. And the Bible tells us that in protecting his people, he took off the wheels of the chariots of the Egyptians. And it was to the point that they even realized God is fighting for them. God is doing something for these people. And I'm so glad we serve a powerful God who cares about us and loves us enough to get involved to help us in our time of need, to help us in our time of trouble and suffering and difficulty when injustice is taking place. I am so glad we serve a God who cares and who wants to help us. That's powerful. So the third point on how God gets involved is that God sends confusion and trouble to the ranks of evil armies that he wishes to stop. God sends confusion and trouble uh, to, to people. And so we see this 
throughout history. We see some places. One of them is with the Assyrian armies. A lot of different nations throughout history who have gone to war. And here we have the Assyrian armies who were, in this case, attacking Israel. And this is found in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 6-7, through 7, and it says this, For the Lord had made the host of Assyrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired us, uh, hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their, their asses or donkeys, even the camp as it was, and they fled for their life. So imagine this, the Assyrian armies were encamped around God's people. They were ready to fight. And suddenly, God sent the sound of, of chariots and horses, something to scare them. They weren't actually there, but God made the sound come. Maybe they were chariots of angels. I don't know. They could have been. And so the Assyrians heard all of these chariots, and they, they heard the noise of a great army in the middle of the night, and they were utterly terrified. They thought, oh, these people, they've got, they've got the Egyptians, they've got some others who are coming against us. And God used that fear to scare away this army. Does God strike fear into the hearts of people that he wants to fight against? He certainly does. He sends confusion. They didn't know what was going on for sure, but they thought it was something terrible, and they wanted to run from it. And so God can send confusion and trouble to the ranks of evil armies that he wishes to stop. And God also leads people away from conflict when otherwise they might have been fighting. And I think that's part of what we see happening here. And I'm so thankful that God shows mercy to us and mercy to those who even are the enemies. God shows mercy. There are some wonderful verses that we have in the Bible on God's mercy. And one of those verses is Jonah 4.11. Jonah 4.11 talks about God's mercy. And it says this, And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons, that's 120,000 persons, that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle? God was talking to Jonah. He had spared the lives of all these people in that great city of Nineveh. They had chosen to repent of their sin, and God spared them. God had mercy on them. So think about those who are in the wrong. Nineveh was in the wrong, and yet they decided to turn from it, and God spared them. God had mercy. So let's say there's a side that's in the wrong. Let's say that Russia is, is in the wrong. It doesn't look good to me what they've chosen to do. But God is also merciful that even though people come and they harm others and they do wrong, God still shows mercy. And He especially wants them to be saved as well. He wants them to come to a knowledge of Him. And so God showed mercy that when people are in the wrong, when armies are in the wrong, God is still merciful through it all. And if possible, He wants to reach those hearts too. He wants to reach those people too. He wants to bring salvation to those who have been doing wrong. And thank God for His mercy that He shows. Another place here is from 2 Kings, let's see, oh, there it is, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 21 through 22, and it says this, 
And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And what happened here? Again, it was the Assyrian army who had come and surrounded, in this case, God's prophet. And God smote the Assyrian army with blindness. And they were led about like helpless people. They were blind. And the king asked, should I smite them? Should I kill them? Because now they've fallen into our hands. Now they're, they're blind and they're weak. Shall we take them down? And he was told, no, go and feed them. Give them bread and water. Isn't that what Jesus taught? Love your enemies. Love your enemies. Help those who are even fighting against you, who are even unkind to you. So God showed mercy to the Assyrians in this case. God showed mercy and he showed love that even though they were the aggressors, they were the ones fighting to kill, God showed mercy and gave them bread and water. And I think that's a powerful principle when we look at the conflict that we're facing in the world today, the great conflict, but also many other conflicts that are going on. God works with mercy in these situations. Here's another biblical point on how God works with humanity during times of conflict. Point number four, God reveals military intelligence to the just while he puts the unjust into confusion in their military ranks. So if somebody is fighting for a good cause, for a just cause, God is likely to be informing their side more than he would be informing the enemy. And we see an example of that, a very, very clear example, from 2 Kings 6, which we have just been looking at. From 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 12, we see this situation where the Assyrian king was sending out his people on all sorts of missions to fight Israel. He was sending them out. But God kept revealing military intelligence, secret intelligence, to his people through the prophet. The prophet was able to advise the king, and the king said, Okay, uh, then I'm not going to go there because I see the Assyrians are moving their troops over there, so I'm not going to that spot. And so they were able to avoid disaster with the Assyrian army. And God kept informing them. And the king in, the, in Assyria, he got so frustrated he said, who is for the king of Israel? Who is telling on us? It seems like they know all of our moves before we even make them. And it was told to him, one of his servants said, this is verse 12, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, he tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. That's an incredible thought. What if you knew all the moves of the enemy before they made them? And you could work to the advantage. And that's exactly what was happening here. God was blessing his people. God was favoring his people and revealing to them the military intelligence, the insight that they needed to know to avoid disaster. Now you can be sure that God will be helping those who are in need. God will be helping those who are fighting for justice, who are fighting for the right. God will be helping people in their time of need and revealing things in different ways. He lets the information come to the side he wants to win. God helps to make sure that that happens. That's pretty amazing, isn't it?
Another scripture on this point that I think makes it very, very clear is found in Daniel chapter 10. And this is actually point number five, where God sends his angels to fight for the armies that he is favoring. God sends his angels to fight alongside of the armies that he is favoring. And we'll notice here in Daniel 10 that there was a situation with Babylon and also with Persia, Medo-Persia. The Medes and Persians were going to take over Babylon. And we find in Daniel 10, verses 12 through 13, an exchange between the angel Gabriel and the prophet Daniel. And he communicates what the angels of God were up to at this point in time. Notice Daniel 10, verses 12 through 13. Then said he, that is the angel Gabriel, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Notice how the angel Gabriel was there encamped with the kings of Persia. Why was this angel on the battlefield? Why was he there with the kings of Persia and he was somehow helping them to overcome Babylon? Very clearly, God had assigned this angel to go and help this military, to go and help this side, because God knew who he wanted to win in this conflict. And God wanted the Persians to overcome. But you know, in the future, God was going to take down the Persians and God was going to establish the Greek empire under Alexander the Great. All of his great empires of history and empires of Bible prophecy, God was working to turn the tides of the war so that it would come out the way it's supposed to, the way that God said it would come out. And God took down the proud and he raised up these other nations. And I'm sure they had their own pride, but God said, your reign's coming down and another kingdom's coming up. And God made sure that it happened as angels were fighting behind the scenes. Notice, if we look at verse 20 of Daniel 10, then said he, knowest thou wherefore I am come unto thee? And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia? And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grisha shall come. So he mentions that he, as an angel, is going to fight with these armies, and after the days of the Persian kings, then the Greeks are going to take over. So God is powerfully at work. His angels are at work behind the scenes in the various conflicts that we see in this world. These are all, in fact, worldly kingdoms, and yet God was choosing sides of these different nations and these kingdoms because he knew the greater principles at work and what needed to happen. And so God backed the armies that he wanted to win and he doomed the armies that he wanted to bring down. That's amazing, isn't it? How God worked. So there's another reference in 2 Kings 6, which we looked at before, where the angels were there with Elisha the prophet and with his servant. The angels were there, and the Assyrians were encamped outside of the house of Elisha. They wanted to take him down because Elisha was revealing all the plans of the king of Assyria. And 
the servant of Elisha was very worried about the situation. There's an army camped outside against us. What do we do? And Elisha said, there are more with us than there are with them. And he said, Lord, open his eyes. The Bible tells us that when the servant of Elisha's eyes were opened, he saw the angels of God, these chariots of fire, all encamped around them. Way more angels were sitting there on the battlefield that day than there were armies of men, soldiers in, in man's military. So God's angels are stationed to help and to protect and to fight for people where God wants to put his favor. That's a very powerful principle that we find in the Bible. So God defeats evil leaders and he brings them down. That's point number six. He defeats the supposed wisdom of evil leaders. And Isaiah 29 verse 14 says, Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. Jeremiah 8, 9 says, The wise men are ashamed, they are dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of the Lord, and what wisdom is in them? People may come with a lot of wisdom, with a lot of knowledge, with a lot of training, and yet God says it's not enough when you're standing against my wisdom. It's not enough when you're standing against my knowledge. I'll take you down every time. And he does. So it doesn't matter what kind of advantages we might come with or an army might come with. When God says it's enough, it's enough. He takes people down. God puts his wisdom into play against all of the wisdom of these leaders that God wants to bring down. And so that's very powerful how God works in that case. Point number seven, when you know your cause is evil, you will be prone to fail and God will make you fearful. Now, in a lot of arenas of the world, people talk about the importance of mental game. Mental game. If you're an athlete, it's about having the mindset to win. It's not only the physical body, it's the mindset to win. In business, it's about the mindset. What kind of a mindset do you have when you go on the field of action? For soldiers in the military, on the battlefield, it's about the mindset. Are we going to win and how are we going to win? And there's a lot of factors that play into the mental game of conflict. Now, if you know that your cause is not just, if you are in doubt about the reason that you are somewhere doing something, that is going to greatly affect you. It will greatly affect how you perform your job. And so if they come, if soldiers come knowing that or doubting that their mission is correct, they're in trouble. And I think we see that playing out in this current conflict in the world. I, I think we see this playing out, that people are hanging in doubt like this is maybe not right. And there have been press releases from certain uh, anonymous persons airing some doubts about why are we doing this? Why are we making this battle, this conflict? And the Bible tells us this proverb, Proverbs 28 and verse 1. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Notice that. The wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. That has a lot to do with mental game, doesn't it? 
If you know that your cause is just, if you know that you are in the right, you will be bold as a lion. And I think I've seen that with the Ukrainians. Have you noticed that, the spirit of the Ukrainian people? They say, look, we're just trying to live our lives. And you come over here blowing us up, tearing apart our cities, killing our people. And we're not going to fight for the right? We are here to fight because we're just trying to live and do what's right. The Bible says that the righteous are bold as a lion, but the wicked flee when no man pursues. And so I wouldn't want to be on any side that has a questionable cause. I would want to make sure that I'm fighting for a clear cause of right. And God is always fighting for the clear cause of right. Point number eight, evil workings or promotion of evil in your nation will cause it to fail. If you are promoting things that are evil over time, it will have an effect. Evil brings down a nation, doesn't it? Evil brings down a person. Evil brings down an organization. If we are promoting evil throughout the ranks of our nation, throughout the ranks of our organization, our business, whatever the case, our country, ultimately that evil will bring us down. That evil will weaken us. And I think we see that happening also in the world today in the conflicts that are going on and what's happening in Ukraine. Proverbs 14.34 says this, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Righteousness exalts a nation. If you seek to do what's right, it will lift everything up and everybody up with it. But if you seek to do what is wrong, it will bring down your people, it will bring down your cause, it will bring down your nation. You cannot do evil without impunity, without some kind of a recourse from that decision to do evil. Bad things will come if we choose to do evil. This has happened countless times throughout history. There are many examples of it. And that brings us to our final point here. Number nine, God hears and answers your prayers and prayer makes a difference how battles turn out, doesn't it? When we look at Moses and his people as they were fighting, as Joshua and his people were fighting with the Amalekites, Moses was up on the mountaintop praying. The Bible says that Moses had his hands outstretched over the people of God and he was constantly in prayer. And if his hands were going down, then his people started to lose the, the war, the battle. They started to lose the fight as his hands were coming down. But as long as his hands were up and he was praying, there was victory taking place. God was blessing his people against the armies of the Amalekites. And so we see that prayer changes things. Prayer makes a huge difference when it comes to the outcome of various conflicts we see in the world today. So that reminds me that we need to be in continuous prayer. When we see injustice in the world, when we see conflicts where people are hurting, people are dying and suffering, people are going to a Christless grave, we need to be in prayer. We need to pray for the people, the people who are on both sides of the conflict, because again, God loves people from both sides. Whether they're right or wrong, God still loves people, doesn't he? And so we need to be in prayer for people, be in prayer for the salvation of souls in the conflict presently occurring in the world today. Pray for people around the world that they would know Jesus, that they would turn from evil, 
that they would come to experience salvation and ultimately God's great plan to live in a world where there is no more war and suffering and death. God wants people to know Him. So let's be continuously in prayer for the right. Let's be in prayer for God's justice to prevail. Let's be in prayer for those who are suffering. Let's be in prayer for those who are fighting for the wrong cause. Let's be in prayer that people will know Jesus and experience salvation. That's what I would like to see, and I think God wants to see it, and I think we all want to see that, don't we? We want to see God's victory come out of all of this, and many people turn to God and to know Him and to receive His truth into their hearts and minds. Psalm 20, verses 6-7 through says this, Now know I that the Lord saves His anointed. He will hear from His holy heaven with the saving strength of His right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Amen? We will remember the name of the Lord our God. It's not just about those chariots and those horses and those tanks and those missiles and every other kind of human advantage. It's not just about those. It's actually about trusting in God because God can deliver anyone even if they have the worst of weapons. God can deliver and God can bless and God can hold back evil and bring about good. Amen? So I want to be in prayer. Let's be in prayer for the people who are suffering through the conflict in the world today. Let's be in prayer for people around the world to know the Lord Jesus. Prophecy tells us there will be many wars and rumors of wars and all kinds of bad things happening in the world. Famines, pestilence, and everything. And in the midst of all of this, in the last days, we must be in prayer for what is good, for what is right and true, and in prayer for people to know Jesus Christ. Amen? to be ready for the coming of Jesus. Shall we stand together and pray for these things, to pray for God's grace to be at work here in, the, in this situation in the world? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come before you today in thankfulness for your love, thankfulness for how you work. We are thankful, Lord, that you care about all of us, that you care about souls, you care about people who are in the right and people who are in the wrong. You care about people everywhere and you want them to be saved. And so, Lord, we pray for your special help today, for your help in the conflict that is going on in Ukraine, for the Ukrainian people and also for the Russians that they will know the saving love of Jesus. We pray for them and, Lord, for all the other unnamed conflicts that are happening in the world today. We pray for people. We pray for your justice to prevail. We pray for your mercy and for hearts to be changed and transformed. We pray for people to experience salvation. Lord, we ask that you would give us wisdom and help us to know how we can best help those who are suffering right now at this time. Help us, Lord, to always be on our knees, to be a people of prayer, to lift up before you all of these trials and troubles and things going on because we know, Lord, that if we are praying, great things will happen in the favor of right. And if we neglect to pray, bad things will happen because we have neglected to pray. Lord, may we put our trust in you, not in the things of the world, but our trust in you and your power and your grace. I pray that you would guide us all in this today and help all who are in need and suffering 
the injustice of this world. We thank you for your help and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. It's been great having you as a listener. May God richly bless your day. I look forward to having you join me for the next podcast. Blessings and take care.